0: you know, you want to do more research on it later. You want to do more reading on it later. You want to listen to a podcast about this later. Like you never want to just stop at The Instagram (laughs) cancel.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Aswad and I'm I'm Yasmin. Welcome to Inner Work Ally Squared's official podcast, where we learn how to better practice allyship. Today, we're going to be talking about petitions
2: and online advocacy.
1: I mean, I think every one of us has seen a petition, hopefully signed a petition as, and has definitely seen online advocacy if we're on social media. So I feel like this is the kind of topic that's incredibly pertinent these days, especially with COVID as you know, things are moving online, our advocacy is also moving online. We see less people who can teach us things. And so we go to the internet for more information. And I think it's a really big part of the inner work you do and learning about, you know, the movements that are going on around you.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of the uh, information that we get about online advocacy is typically on social media platforms. Um, and that's what we see the most with people who are involved in online advocacy. So in saying that, we have a guest today. Yep, that's so exciting when we
1: get to say that. It's like, oh my God, someone else also wants to talk to us. <laughs> um, so we have Michaela Massim, um, better known as Mickey, so pronounced like Mickey Mouse, is a second year student at the University of Ottawa. Um, So she's always been really passionate about advocating for mental health awareness and social justice, and she's been using her personal profiles as well as um, an organization she's created to do that kind of uh, work. And so in using her personal Instagram, she's been able to create a really, really amazing audience, and I say so for myself because I've seen it and I've witnessed her create such an amazing space for Send Your Support, which is an organization that. You know, I would have never thought about the idea behind it, but it's so impactful and it's so great and I'm so excited we'll get to talk to her about it. But Send Your Support is essentially a letter drive initiative that she founded in honor of victims of police brutality and racially motivated violence. So um, without further ado, hi Mikaela. Hi, (laughs) thanks for having me. How are you doing on this very fine Sunday? I'm good. i
0: nervous, but I'm good. I'm really excited to be here. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: really excited you're here too. So um, let's get started.
2: Yeah. So just to kind of get a background of what exactly brought you to what you're doing today. So what work have you had to do to get yourself where you are today?
0: I would definitely it all starts with like lived experiences so I always like learned that personal testimony was a really good teacher so when I would tell people about some of my experience it mainly started with me talking about like my mental health and when I consider like my positionality and where my voice best serves, it's usually talking about mental health, intersectional feminism, and Black empowerment. And so that's kind of like what I consider the cornerstones, I guess, of my activism, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I learned this summer that I think this summer's the inner work for me really, really started when I learned how to be an ally to others because I started really understanding what I needed when I was asking for an ally. So, as everyone knows, Black Lives Matter was a super big deal this summer. Um, And I really started, I needed people in different ways. I needed people to play different roles in my life and to serve different purposes in supporting me as a Black person, as a Black woman. And it made me think very critically about how I want to show up for others. And so, In the way that I just go about my activism, it involves a lot of self-reflection. So I have anxiety (laughs) in general, Um, but I especially get critical often to a fault of the way I approach activism because I really do pride myself in authenticity Mm
2: -hmm. and I
0: want to make sure that I'm going about things in what I consider to be the right way at that time
1: that's so interesting and you've said so many things that i just want to touch on the first one being you know that move from performative allyship to real authentic allyship and i mean that's what ally squared is here for Mm -hmm. is getting so tired of the word ally being thrown thrown around when actually in practice it's very rarely used in the right way so that's Mm -hmm. the first thing that you said that was super impactful the other thing is the idea of a duality of also needing an ally and being an ally—that's um, why we're called Ally Squared because we really do believe that, you know, privilege isn't like a binary thing—you either have it or you don't. That's not how it works. We have different kinds of privileges, you yeah. know. And so, the second part that I really found valuable from what you said is that duality because I think it's important to understand that you can need an ally and also practice allyship at the same time and I mean that's what ally squared was made for that's the squared part of ally squared um how do you think you navigate that part is how do you know when how do you recognize what you need an ally and how do you recognize when no this is my time to practice allyship it's a a question of empathy Mm
0: -hmm. I always find um whether Whether you're just a racialized person or a minority in another sense, like you can kind of feel it. You can kind of see it in another person's face. Like just that moment where they need someone, they need somebody else. Like they don't need me to save them. They need me to stand with them. Mm -hmm. Like they need solidarity is what they need me to show them right now. And in my head looking at it, it's always a question of comfortability. Like I, there's a certain safety I have in say positions, in say situations where I'm obviously the cisgender straight person. Like I have that safety net of saying certain things that other people who aren't cisgender and aren't straight can't say. Mm -hmm. I, And it's not to say that I'm saying anything new or revolutionary, I'm very well just reiterating ideas or um just ideologies or other talking points that revolutionary um queer people have said before me Mm -hmm. I have that safety net of being the privileged person in that situation so therefore I have that responsibility to stand in solidarity with that person
1: that's so well put I think that's exactly how
2: we see it as well Absolutely, because you never want to be that person that's talking for someone else. Yeah. Because you don't necessarily know their internal dialogue and what they're going through. So you never want to, you know, just take over and talk for that person. You want to uplift what they're saying and kind of just let them know, like, I'm here for you and what you are feeling and what you're saying and what you're going through. Absolutely.
1: It's like the
0: second you see it as an act of like service or charity, that's when you're going about it, what I would say, like the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Like it's, that's when you're making it about you and that's where you're really going about it the wrong way. Like it's just human decency at that point to want to be there for another person.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, that's such a, so that's such a good segue because I struggle with this a lot is the idea of, so for me, this, you know, journey about allyship of allyship has always been about emotion. So I root, I'm the kind of person who roots, you know, my actions and my emotions in a way where, you know, certain things motivate me, certain things that have happened in my life motivate me to be who I am today. How does that translate to online advocacy? And what about online advocacy intrigued you?
0: For a long time, I wasn't online at all. Like, I don't think I joined Instagram until I was like in grade 10. Um, And that's probably when I started getting like really involved in school it's a tricky thing because a big part of my online advocacy is kind of that like emotional piece I bring to it. Like I'm a really, really emotional person. Like always have been. Like I was like the kid, like the baby, like of my family. It'd be like, don't bring Michaela to the barbecue because she's gonna cry. Like they never wanted me around. Like <laughs> I always cry. Um and I think that's both like a strength and weakness because at a certain point I got really really tired of putting up a front and I think my first kind of break in online advocacy was when I was I believe 17 or so and I posted a video for Bell Let's Talk and Mm -hmm. I got really honest about the way I was struggling with my mental health and that had an impact that I hadn't um, anticipated Um, and that's what led me in real life to actually want to do, be a part of initiatives that actually helped people with their mental health and help support like emotional well-being. Um, but continuing from there, being emotional wasn't such a bad thing. And I know a lot of the times like we're taught growing up, like, you know, kind of get it together. Um, but I'm happy I'm this way, but I also want to recognize that while this summer I was very, very open about what I was going through, um, especially with like how Black Lives Matter and everything going on was affecting my mental health. I do feel as though some people were only engaging for that reason like they saw how emotional i was getting and that's what inspired them to get involved and i see an issue with that because i don't think that black people should have to be hurting that black people should have to be brutalized that black people should have to be at their lowest point for you to want to recognize their humanity and like i think that that's like the duality in it where it's like i'm so glad that i can be so open with people and have them see that but i don't want that to be like the threshold for when people want to start valuing Black lives. It sets like a tone that I don't really like. Like, it's that same thing about reposting very graphic videos of Black people being brutalized at the hands of authority. Like, it just sends this message that like, you need to see us, you need to see this in action for you to care.
1: So society has been created to dehumanize Black people. Yeah. Yeah in order for them, you know, to be seen as equal, to have the basic human decencies. Because I think at the end of it, it, it comes, allyship comes to you. should. It's not about, oh, we're patting you on the back for doing such a good job and being there for people. It's, you should have had the basic human yeah. your entire life to act this way. We need to create institutions and organizations and all of this advocacy and lobbying in order to, for you to be a basic human, you know, decent person. And so I think it's, you know, what I'm hearing from you is a similar thing of, you know, you should have had the basic human decency to care about Black lives during your life, so why do Black people have to do so much more, have to be raw, have to be real, in spaces where, you know, their, you know, humanity is being commodified in order for to be changed?
0: Mm-hmm. I don't, like, it's, like, I want to be my most authentic self, but I don't want, the trade-off to like educating or anything of that like sort I don't want the trade-off to be performing like my pain like I that's not what I'm here to do so I've been really trying to strike like a balance between the two and like respecting my boundaries um and it's I think that's hard especially with online advocacy like the boundaries are a tough thing
2: mm-hmm what type of boundaries have you had to create with people online? Because I feel like it can become such a space of everyone feels entitled. Yeah. When your business and your feelings, no matter what, when you're online, it's almost like you're not a full person to them. Um, So what boundaries have you had to kind of put in place with your online advocacy? I'd
0: say that that's something i started looking at pretty recently um just like protecting myself more um because martyring yourself doesn't make sense um yeah that's definitely something that i'm still figuring out still struggling with because i don't know how like people that like with really huge huge platforms do it um that's like insane to me um but like on any given day my dms are you know pretty full like responding to people Um, and I definitely like want to engage. Like I want to give, like, I think people deserve like a certain energy in like my responses. And like, I want to, you know, respect the fact that they like took time to message me and like, I want to, you know, give that back to them and stuff like that. Um, but it's been tough. It's been tough trying to find limitations. I will say that I want to maybe transfer some of more, like some more of the advocacy over to send your support to maybe take the personal aspect out of it to try to, and and like, for the sake of self-preservation. But then it's like the personal aspect is what makes my advocacy meaningful. So here we are again. (laughs) And it's like, I'm not
1: quite sure what to do. I completely understand that. So for me, again, this work is so close to your heart that it's hard to separate. Like on any given day, there's no difference between Uswa and LA Squared because of how much I'm in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. I think I had to make a conscious de- decision um, when I started to make my, and so I'm 22, I'm living my best young person life. Mm-hmm. I had to make a conscious decision to make my Instagram so you know, just a 22 year old young person, yeah. like random, you know, Instagram, I don't post my, many things that are, you know, allyship related. And I feel really guilty about that a lot because I'm like, I don't want people to think, oh, Alex squared's a side job or she's just like, she cares for her time, but really she's just like this frivolous young girl, because I know that my age and my gender make it that. But at the same time, I realized that, you know, this summer we had a lot of um, people message us, not, I wouldn't say constructive criticism, essentially just hate being like, why are you using the word ally? How dare you use that word (laughs) It's upsetting." like uh, accomplices, not allies. And I was like, I recognize, you know, what you feel about this. It's different than how I feel, but we have the same goal. And I, you know, I, I really was thankful about the fact that my personal account was private and away from people because I was like you know what they they called me out on Twitter and they found my personal Twitter but whatever at the same time I was like I need to preserve my sanity and my mental health so I can put in all of the love and all of the effort and all of the emotion into Ally Square because I have that on my phone every day and I'm on there every day and I'm responding to DMs and I'm, I help create the content and so it's not that you know my personal is you know, my full time personality and my LA squared is part time. It's really just that boundary I've created for myself because I can't deal with that kind of criticism, especially mm-hmm. when people aren't trying to listen and aren't trying to have a conversation. But that's hard.
0: I think, cause most of the time, like my personal is private, except when like, I share something that really, I want to be like widely spread and I want people to be able to repost it. Um, I I'm mostly private for that like reason. Um, cause I don't want to welcome just <laughs> criticism, not that being public should even be an invitation to welcome criticism, but I digress. Um, I like, I just want people to know, I like, guess, soon as they see my page, like that, that's what I'm about. Like, this is something that's very, 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 very important to me. But like, I really, really respect the fact that it's really important to you too, but you... Are really working towards that balance of like having that boundary like I just like I don't know what it looks like for me yet to have that boundary like I I don't know if I want my personal page to be the hub of all of it and that's what it's become and I'm happy with it right now but I don't know what I want it to turn into yet
1: <laughs> yeah and it's a
2: process and it'll yeah. all be a process I think We've all learned that the hard way. Yeah, and I guess, so these, this is where kind of the pros and cons of online advocacy come in. So (laughs) the advantages and the importance of online advocacy that we see is, you know, it's easy to get information out to a large group of people, which is really important because I feel like right now, a lot of the media has been monopolized by, like, just purely COVID-19, mm-hmm. which is also important, but it's not the only thing going on in the world, you know, things have not ceased because COVID is things, here. Some
1: things have gone worse, things yeah. Have, yeah, <laughs>
2: so another advantage that we see is, you know, information and advocacy can extend across the globe, so it's not just strictly your country or your community, it's, you know, yeah. world which I think is amazing when we look at social media and the power that it can have and also it can it can help you you know contact elected officials with Mm -hmm. um, like telephone numbers emails Mm -hmm. even DMing them and it's so you have a lot of much easier access which can be a double-edged sword Mm -hmm. but you have easier access to the people that are in power who you know can make A quick, you know, kind of immediate change and Mm -hmm. listen to what you're saying. Um, But then on the other hand, we also have, you know, misinformation or disinformation. And I feel like that's a big part of we talk about when, you know, you find something on Instagram or on Twitter, kind of take it with a grain Mm -hmm. of salt and do your own research. Um, Instagram's like a Wikipedia page, basically, (laughs) like, um, you start there exactly. You don't end there. You don't absolutely.
0: No, I completely agree. Like the way I consume Instagram content. Um, first of all, my save tab is ridiculous. <laughs> I have little like, categories for everything. It gets really, really full of really, really fat, really That's like really weird.
1: Place, I'm gonna start trying that.
0: Oh, I have a cat. Like little categories for everything. Um, mm. but. It really is a jumping off point, like, especially on Twitter too. Like if I see some someone with a really interesting idea or just like a piece of something like that's something I screenshot and then, you know, you wanna do more research on it later. You wanna do more reading on it later, you wanna listen to a podcast about this later. Like you never wanna just stop at the Instagram canva. <laughs> that's my advice to everybody. Like always take it a step further. Um it's about consuming online content um, and engaging with it critically. Because um, anyone can make one. I'm on Canva. Um, it's a time and a half, I'll tell you. I'm very, like, technology challenged. So. But really, anybody can make a Canva. So just when you engage with that content, remember that when you're reposting it, you're essentially saying, because it's back to, like, those, like, very elementary assembly like be careful what you post on the internet, like presentations that you used to get. It's like, you're endorsing this message, like you're supporting what this person is saying. So it's also important to know about who's posting it. Mm-hmm. And then you also want to consider that when you're posting it, and this is when the authenticity piece comes in, if someone were to message you about this, would you have things to say? Would you have an opinion on it? And that's what I always think about. So. As much as I want to like um, save blah, 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 like repost everything I see, it's like, okay, I want to actually give this like its due respect in the proper time of day. Like it's not just one person that created this, it's I want to respect all of the people that came before this person that came before me that put all their work into creating whatever movement it is that I'm looking at that led to the creation of this canva I want to respect their time Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: that's what I think about when I'm like consuming online content Mm
1: -hmm. yeah absolutely and I think A big part of this online question is the role of petition. That's something that Mm -hmm. I've always been curious about. So I'm the first one to look through a petition and, you know, look through the people that started the petition and be like, okay, like I vetted you. I think that the work that you're doing is so important, but sometimes as someone who has worked in an MP's office and has seen, you know, the ways that sometimes petitions end up not really making a difference. How do you feel about, I mean, let me define petitions first because I'm assuming a level of understanding. So petitions are essentially a formal request or complaint made through certain platforms. So like change.org is a really big one. And it's essentially, I would Say that a a letter of supporting a certain cause and prodding political leaders or certain people in power towards action away Mm -hmm. from a certain thing or towards a certain thing. So um, how do you feel petitions play a role in online advocacy?
0: it is tricky especially when you get to like the change.org part of things because you sign it and all of a sudden they're asking for three dollars and you're like how did I like how did we get here (laughs) but I like petitions I like them because I've seen them go well that being said (laughs) I think everything you said is Definitely something to consider. Like, you really do need to vet the people starting these petitions. Um, it can just get so dangerous so fast. Like, you really like read through the entire thing. Like, it's like people like petitions because of just a quick way to really just engage and go. And it became about like sign a petition next, sign a petition next, like click, click, mm-hmm. click, click. But that's not always the way because mm-hmm. you're not doing it intentionally you can't really speak to what it is that you just did and that's dangerous Absolutely. that's when problems happen so i'll take um ahmaud arbery for example um so that was what inspired he was what inspired me to start um send your support um he was the young man in georgia who was jogging through the neighborhood and was attacked by white supremacists um, so a petition and like just public support. So while he was murdered in February, um, the viral video of his murder was circulating in like May. So public support and like, just like public pressure was what really led to the arrest of his murderers. Like that, that's fact. Like it was the fact that there was petitions. It was fact that people were making phone calls. Um, that can't be denied, but Another petition started circulating after the arrest to like raise the degree of the murder. And the issue with that is that people weren't quite understanding that had they raised the degree, it would have been harder to secure a conviction because it would have changed like the implications of just like the murder in general. And it would have actually made matters worse. So when you're signing petitions blindly, you're kind of falling into a sort of trap where you're not reading the fine print essentially Mm -hmm. and you're making a mess of what could have been a good thing Mm so (laughs) I'm I do really like petitions but activism is not as easy as that activism is not an easy thing um and as much as I'd like for it to be so that more people could engage, it's just not. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that in some ways that's what petitions represent, but they can also be just such a way to showcase that there is such a strong public su- like support for something um, to showcase that. So like when people wanna say like, all oh, people may not like this, you actually have a petition that's like that tangible piece saying, actually on the contrary, a lot of people do. And that's valuable in and of itself. So it's a, it's a toss up. (laughs) It really is.
1: Yeah. I I really agree with you in that where I think, I don't think petitions should be going anywhere anytime soon. They've happened for a really long time. I mean, they happened when petitions were in the form of letters that were handwritten, signed by people. Knocking on doors, asking
2: people to sign. Exactly.
1: And so, you know, you have to pay respects to the ways that mobilization occurs and you're completely right in saying that it's evidence, you know, petitions are really good evidence. I think my problem comes when it comes to one redundancy. So Mm -hmm. everyone's signing 50 different petitions and that makes me frustrated because of exactly the point you brought up, which is, you know, people, one, don't read through them. They don't know the context very often. So I think sometimes it's, really hard for me to be like okay someone messaged me and said could you sign this petition I'll sign this petition and then the next day a different person asking for the same thing so now I'm like who was actually the main organizer who understands the context who knows the implications of the petition and who knows how it's going to be used and so I think part of online advocacy is the drowning out of so and the oversaturation of information yes yes
2: part of that is just us learning how to kind of um, navigate, navigate. Thank you. I (laughs) lost the word. I was like, root yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Navigate the way that everything has transitioned to kind of more online because I feel like we're very much the generation that's kind of the in-between. Like we have seen the past ways that petitions and protests and things Mm -hmm. have been organized And then we've also seen the drastic, drastic technological Mm -hmm. advancement that's come just from since we were kids Mm -hmm. that, you know, people younger than us, they're going to be just completely immersed in the world of technology. But we have that advantage of kind of seeing the ways that things have previously done versus how they're done now. And I think a large part of maybe our responsibility as you know people who are involved mm-hmm. in online advocacy is to make is to try and you know weed out the ways that people oversaturation does happen and mm-hmm. irresponsible petition signing does happen and maybe a part of the online advocacy can be you know letting people know like, hey, this is how we can now in the climate that we're in with all the technology that we have around us, how we can, you know, responsibly look at petitions and sign petitions. Because if you're just signing all of these things, it can become a very irresponsible thing. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Absolutely.
2: And that's also, you know, leading into like the performative versus action-based style. You don't want to be someone that just signs a petition or you know post one thing on social media and then that's it you've done okay I'm going to have a nap <laughs> now I'm done <dying.
0: laughs> yeah awesome. no, I, I agree with that completely like I think that's why I really like the letter signing like the letter writing aspect of send your support because it has um so many different components that I really appreciate I think the letter writing demands a certain level of intention that maybe like petition signing doesn't I think it really centers the affected parties um, because when horrible tragedies happen in the black community and they get sensationalized and it becomes about like the perpetrators and it becomes about like legalities and it becomes about like the media and how they're handling it and comes just about like talking points and like analyzing everything, you really forget the fact that these were people. Mm -hmm. That this was Ahmaud Arbery, this was Breonna Taylor, that this was their families, their parents, that these are people with likes and dislikes. And I want to bring back again, humanizing them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what letter writing really does. Um, Because I think when people just kind of petition sign and click away, they're not really remembering or it's not coming full force of the fact that this was a person that we're demanding justice for Mm
1: -hmm.
0: again it's just about like remembering they deserve that respect and attention and i and i can't i don't know that that can be overstated ever like i just i'm a really firm believer in that especially when like how the internet has changed the nature of advocacy like it's very 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 fast like i think that's the two like two things that like like the internet kind of brings to advocacy. It's like the go, go, go nature, because like everything kind of has like a life expectancy of like 24 hours on the internet before it's like the next thing and things are happening so fast. And then there's always that like urgency that's always been there because we're very much talking about like human lives. And it's like, how do you temper those two things when you're trying to advocate for these people Mm -hmm. online? And like, those are the two things that we're having to contend with. And I think that's like, what's really tricky about online advocacy. Um, And so with send your support, what I kind of want to do is like pull back from it, take a minute, remember what we're here for, remember who we're here for, and then kind of, I guess, resume.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's such important work you're doing and, of course, we're in full support of it, yes. and we're so <laughs> grateful that you've, you know, you've come to talk to us. Yeah. I think, so we didn't do this for our first guest, but I think we're going to now start doing it, is we're going to end off by asking you a more lighthearted, but more introspective question.
2: Um, yeah. you want to go ahead. <laughs> okay, so would you rather live a week in the past or the future and why?
0: Ooh. I'd rather live a week in the future. Um, I don't know. I did the past already, I guess. I don't know what I did. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's what I said too yeah. when I was asked that. I was like, yeah, I, I did it. I learned.
2: It was great. Um, I wanna go ahead now.
0: <laughs> I'm good.
2: I don't know maybe next time we have a guest, I'll have an answer when we ask this question. I'll put
1: you on the spot now. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much, Michaela. We really appreciate the the vulnerability, um, the critical thought, and of course, we're always going to support you, and we hope you keep in touch with us. Um, For anyone who wants to know more about Michaela's work, so follow at Michaela Messam on Instagram or at send your support. For anyone who wants to know a little bit more about Ally Squared or talk to us about the podcast, follow at Ally Two Squared on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and (laughs) everywhere
2: else you find things or visit www.alliesquared.ca. Yes, and thank you all for listening so much. Our episodes occur bi-weekly on Sundays and next episode we'll be talking about protests and walkouts. Thanks, Susie. Thank you. Thank you, Michaela. Bye.